Hello, it's uh, that time of the week again. It certainly is. Whichever time you are listening to us, this is the time. <laughs> this is the time. And welcome to Factorally. Glad to not quite see you all. <laughs> yes, exactly. Do you know, I knew this episode was going to happen. I knew you were going to say that. And I knew you were going to say that. Oh, did you? I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> because this week we are talking about prediction. We are. Which isn't always weirdo. But obviously Not always, but it does have a certain overtone to it, doesn't it? Yes, yes. Except when you use the word, which I'm going to later, Go on. economic. Oh, oh, there's nothing spooky or eerie about an economic prediction. No, absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, but so, we, let's not start there, though. No, let's not. No, let's start somewhere more in, entertaining than Shall we that. start with fortune telling? Ooh, telling how exciting. How mysterious. I'm not going to go into this in massive detail. Okay. Because there are so many ways of telling the future. Yes. I mean, you've got tarot cards. Not only have you got tarot cards, there are three different sorts of packs are there really? of tarot cards. There's the Rider pack, which everybody knows. Right. And then you've got the Zen pack. And right. then you've got the Rune pack. Oh. They're called decks, apparently. Sorry, okay. Decks of cards. Um, and uh, I was looking into you know, reading tarot cards, mm. and I just got bored because everybody <laughs> has different interpretations of what each card does. And I see. I, I, see. Th I think it's fairly straightforward. The only thing I did find out is that if you ever have your tarot read, you shouldn't go back for another six months because they, they say it only lasts six months. So, Really? If you're going to get a new reading, wait six months. Okay. So their, their fortunes are only good for yes. six months, and then they, then they alter. Yes. Then, and th th then you've got crystal balls. Mm -hmm. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> I noticed the noise as you walked. <laughs> one, one, one has. Uh, there are such things as there uh, are. balls made of of crystal glass. Yes, uh, and that's they reckon that's a way of sort of like getting into a meditative state. It's not actually that things appear in the crystal ball. It's just a way that because there are um, oh, okay. flaws in a large ball of crystal. That, yeah. that you can actually use it as a meditative. It's sort you know, of something to focus of, on. Yeah, you know when you do meditation, they sort of say, imagine a, a single yes. candle flame and stuff yes. like that. It, it's, it's, similar, it's a way of getting your brain into a yeah. place where there's that. I, um, have, um, I, I don't know whether you've ever done this in your voiceover career, Bruce, but I have recorded some meditation stuff. Yes, me uh, too. In the past. It is very much like that. It is sort of focus on your breathing. Yes. Focus on the position of your feet upon the floor. It's... Focusing in on it's, a it's thing. It's all about focusing on one thing so that yeah. your, your mind sort of clears of every, yeah. all the clutter. So that's what a crystal ball does. That's is what for. a crystal ball does for a, a media. No, I'm going to stay. Okay. I am skeptical. I'm going to try not to be on, okay. this, on this podcast. I am skeptical and I'm going to jolly well remain that way. <laughs> <laughs> so you haven't read your tea leaves either? Not lately. No, I'm more of a coffee bean man. Uh, that's, that's a Chinese thing. Is it? Um, and apparently it, it can, I mean, I've read spookily accurate things where people have said, oh, I made a note of what this person said when they read my tea leaves and right. 10 years later it all came true. Mm, okay. And okay. You kind of go, yeah, but, you know, it could have come true at any point. We'll get yeah. back into that in a minute. Yes. We so are. we've got tarot cards, crystal balls, tea leaves, mm. reading your, have you ever had your palm read? I haven't, no. Have you? Uh, I think I have. And they say that your uh, left palm is the one that you come up, that, that's your your fate and right. your right palm is what you do with it oh i see so if you look at like the, your lifeline and I'm, I'm showing you on my on the, on the it's so useless isn't it to do this on a podcast so, so, <laughs> so like your lifeline and all that sort of mon yeah. 
amount of Venus and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I, it's fine. Um, of course, then you've got the, 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 the Norse tradition. You've got the rune stones where you mm-hmm. cast runes. Yep. Yep. Um, chicken bones, Africa. Okay. Um, oh, yes. Uh, oh, what's that song? There's a song called Roll of the Bones. Can't remember it now, but yeah, something about rolling I'll the bones. I'll tell you who will know. Who? Our listeners will know. Oh, that lot. They'll know. They're very clever. And you know what they'll do? What will they do, Bruce? They won't stay quiet. <laughs> <laughs> they will comment. They will. They will comment galore. They will. I mean, in fact, I expect to have a lot of commentary okay. after this because we're going to be Good. quite contentious, I imagine. Excellent. Yeah, well, don't don't hold back, folks. If you're if you're either totally pro or totally anti this stuff, tell us about it. Tell us about your experiences. But be nice to each other. So, I mean, so, so apart from tarot cards, crystal balls, dealies, palms, runestones, chicken bones, numerology, dream interpretation, zoltars, and clairvoyance, can you think of any other way of, of, of telling a fortune? Absolutely not. You've no, covered them neither. all. <laughs> I, I think I've got them that all. That is all of it. <laughs> so you've, you've been looking into, into prediction as well. What, what, what sort of thing have you discovered? So I've gone, I've, I've had a look at a few different things, just um, sort of examples of famous predictions um, and, and how accurate they are and how accurate they are not and that sort of thing. And um, I had a look at, um, I sort of had a look at fortune telling through the, through the ages and I recently found just this week, I'd, I'd never heard of this before, but apparently there were these four cone-shaped golden hats actually made of gold that look suspiciously like the, the modern day idea of a wizard's or witch's hat. Oh, right. You so know, sort co- of wide, conical. wide brim. Yeah, yeah, conical. Wide brim, pointed tip, uh, made out of um, pressed layered gold. And these things are r- roughly several thousand years old. They're not quite sure how many thousands, but they're sort of, they're Bronze Age, you know. Um, and there have been four of these hats found over the last 150 years, most of them uh, from Germany, one of them from France. And these hats, if if we can find people a, a picture to look at, these hats are incredibly ornate. They've got all of these symbols and figures uh, engraved and embossed onto these hats. And the theory is that they were worn by local, um, I suppose, soothsayers or, or, or seers, um, fun fact, soothsayer literally means truth teller. Yes. There you go. Etymology. Yeah, there's a lot of that, like clairvoyance is like seeing clearly and... Oh, is that right? I just thought yeah. it was a, a woman called Claire, <laughs> whose surname happened to be Voyance. Who knew? Mm. Um, but yes, these symbols all over the hat sort of seem to be a little bit of a mixture of everything you've said. There are some numbers, there are some uh, pictures of... Uh, sort of mystical animals and creatures. There are symbols of the weather. You know, going back to the Bronze Age, you know, we we do it so easily now, predicting the weather. But 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 back then, that was seen as a, a superpower. You know, mm. so these people who were wearing these golden hats, having the ability to predict various things, um, the theory is that it was probably used for you know predicting agricultural outcomes. When is the when is the best time to plant my crops? Oh, soothsayer, kind of thing. You know. So some of these hats have been found over the years. The most recent one was only found in 1953. So they're, wow. they're still finding these things. There used to be things, almanacs were used, used to be published, which had all oh. sorts of, in fact, I think they, the old Moore's almanac is still published every year. Right, okay. And that has all these sort of like 
mystical, magical information like you know solar eclipses and right, okay, you know, when the you know for the for the next year, all all the, all the things that are going to hit, and, and you can mm. kind of say it's like magic if you if you know these things are going to happen. Yeah, Old Moors also predicts that the following year it's published in the previous November, so right. like the current one would have been published in November 2022. Okay, and um, so so it's predicted it, it's Irish. Right or in origin, so right. it's, there are a lot of the predictions about Ireland. Okay, but they've predicted for this year bad a bad winter for Russia, right? A health warning for Trump. Well, I mean that <laughs> he's an old man. It's likely that it's going to be a health warning. <laughs> uh, recession, which they predicted before there was one. Right. Okay. Quite good. Okay. Um, some unusual alien news. Standard, which may or may not happen, but it also predicted a submarine drama. Oh, interesting. And we've had ah, one of those, haven't we? We certainly have, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been published for two and a half centuries. Right. Um, I love this guy's first name. Moore's first name is Theophilus. <gasps> Theophilus. That's a great name, isn't it? Yeah, it's really good. They called him the Irish Merlin. Okay. Travellers used to have like a whole bunch of um, almanacs with them and they could use them as sort of currency to go and yeah. stay in farmhouses so they'd right, kind of okay. go around and go would you like to know what's going to happen you know for the crops or whatever mm, mm. i mean i suppose back then that was that was a, a vital service wasn't it if someone could accurately do these things if someone could have some kind of method of of telling the local farmers what was going to happen agriculturally that must have been incredibly useful and even if they weren't wearing a, a strange conical golden hat <laughs> even if that So what, what what other ways of predicting have you uh, come across in your in your travels? Uh, so, uh, I mean, there are there are so many as as you've said. It's just uh, it would be impossible to name them all. But I, I started looking into the Mayan calendar. Um, do you remember that whole thing in 2012 where people were interpreting the Mayan calendar was saying that the world oh, was going to end at the end of the world? Yes. Yeah, essentially, um, total misinterpretation. But but there we go. Uh, it's easy for me to say that because the world didn't end. <laughs> oh, there you go. So these calendars, in one calendar, there were there were three separate items. There were these three circular, calendary looking things that all worked together in conjunction with each other, and the Mayan year went in a sort of a or, or you know the, the Mayan timeline went in cycles. So it sort of went in cycles of X number of days, X number of years, and then at the end of a cycle, it was traditionally seen that something was going to happen, either something apocalyptic or just the, the the start of a new era or a new whatever it might be um and this one particular entry on the mayan calendar went in a cycle of 5126 years and it just so happened that that cycle ended in 2012 oh wow um specifically on the 21st of december 2012 so people were looking at this calendar and saying oh well it doesn't go any further than that 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 must be the Mayans' prediction of the end of the world. It wasn't. It was just the end of a particular cycle, um, and nothing came of it. But um, descendants of the Mayans have actually sort of been quite outraged by this uh, idea that everyone was saying it's the end of the world. Uh, that's not what our ancestors were saying at all. You've misread it. Uh. But I think this is the problem with many of these forms of future prediction is that they're very, very open to interpretation. None of these predictions are well, set in stone. The Mayan calendar was literally set in stone, so that's a bad example. <laughs> um, but, you know, very few of these predictions say, I predict that on date X, 
person Y will befall fate Z. They, yes. They're very, very open. They're very um, ambiguous. fluid. Ambiguous. That's the word for ambiguity. I'm going to come on to ambiguity because I think ambiguity is a really important part of, of telling the future. There are um, things that are very ambiguous, um, like horoscopes. Yes, of course. Oh, do you know what? I hadn't even thought about horoscopes. Crikey, that's horoscopes. a big thing, Big deal, horoscopes. Yeah. Do you, do you, have you ever heard of Margaret Ann Lake? No. Okay, another word for Margaret? Maggie. Shortened? Mag. Or Meg. Meg. Mystic Meg. Mystic Meg. Margaret right? Ann Lake. Oh. The thing is, she died. And the son went, what the hell are we going to do? Because we can't have Mystic Meg anymore. So they found another psychic called Maggie Innes. <laughs> so technically, still a, still, still a Meg. <laughs> wow. So, so the, original, the original Mystic Meg um, came to fame because uh, she was predicting the lottery. Now, you talked about, before we started, you, t- you mentioned about the lottery. So shall we talk about the lottery? And then we'll come back to, to astrology in a minute. Now, I'd, so I'd, I'd forgotten all about Mystic Meg. I never followed the lottery. I have never, ever bought a lottery ticket. I never watched the National Lottery, um, except to appreciate the fella's voice who draws the numbers. Um, so I don't even remember who Mystic Meg was and what she did. But anyway, um, so the National Lottery, obviously, it's, it's a big thing, uh, a, a series of balls for anyone who doesn't know about it, like me. Um, a series of balls with numbers are drawn at random from a, a tumble dryer looking machine. And if you happen to have picked the same numbers as what come out of the machine, you win lots of money. And people go to great lengths to try and work out what these numbers are going to be. People are very formulaic. They always pick the same numbers, often based on their birthdays or, you know, anniversary dates or i don't know their their favorite football shirt number the number of their the number of their house on the street yes all uh, how many kids have they got all that yeah. sort of thing their their national insurance number um and and there just is no way of predicting it you know these these numbers come out at random but that doesn't stop very very large numbers of people even organizations online from claiming that they have wonderful new technological methods that will accurately predict the national lottery numbers next week ah. i i was looking into nostradamus of course you were the, the ultimate in predicting the future indeed yeah yeah so this chap michel de nostradamus he he went by a latinized equivalent of his name nostradamus because it sounds cooler he was a french um astrologer scientist seer prognosticator in the early 1500s and he made an awful lot of predictions they they often came in poetic form and and there was a book of these predictions which contained 942 predictions wow but they're all written in in very sort of ambiguous prose. He made a prediction about um, two eastern cities being destroyed by steel, fire, plague, and famine, uh, which people have taken to refer to Hiroshima and Nagasaki and the dropping of the bombs. Ah. Because it fits that description. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, Like I say, he didn't say an actual date. So if you leave it open enough and broad enough, um, then it could apply to anything. So there's someone sitting there with a little checklist going oh yeah that one fits that one fits ergo some of his predictions have come true in inverted commas Mm. so this is this is the more um pop culture-y silly side of my research (laughs) (laughs) um 
you know, we've done Nostradamus, we've done the Mayans, we've done Mystic Meg, now we're going to move on to the meaty stuff, um, Back to the Future and The Simpsons, um, uh. both of which have made some, well, again, they didn't make predictions. They came up with suggestions as to what would be interesting for the future to look like. Some of those things have... Yes, well, I'm still waiting for my flying DeLorean. That hasn't happened yet. Um, but in Back to the Future 2, when they visit 2015, which was now a long time ago, I showed the Back to the Future movies to my son a few weeks back, and he looked at it going, A, this film is actually quite old now, for my point of view, for his point of view. B, their future is now in my past. And C, where's my, where's my flying DeLorean? Um, but in Back to the Future 2... Or skateboard. Or hoverboards. Hoverboard. Yes, exactly, that as well. So in Back to the Future 2, we see characters having a video call, wearing wearable tech, watching multiple TV screens that are voice controlled, using thumbprints to open doors, using camera drones uh, for video recording, wireless payment, and video glasses. Wow. So all of these things are shown in Back to the Future 2. Those things have come to pass, possibly because a fan of Back to the Future 2 thought, hey, that looks like a good idea. I'm going to make it. So yes. like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, another, uh, another source of future predictions, it, quite an unlikely source, is uh, the, the popular American cartoon The Simpsons. Ah. And um, the, 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 the Simpsons have actually gained a little bit of a following for being fairly accurate in their predictions. So episodes of The Simpsons have, again, incredibly vague predictions that have come true and some eerily accurate ones as well. For example, the, well, the vague ones again, like Back to the Future, in episodes of The Simpsons, we have smartwatches, we have autocorrect on your computer, we have people converting cooking oil into fuel, we have video chats, we have all of these things that you know, wouldn't it be nice if that could be a thing one day, and eventually someone makes it, and therefore that's that's fine. But the more specific ones, um, there was an episode in which Lady Gaga, uh, the the popular singer, flies in. Uh, on a on a wire in the American Super Bowl, no. and she did actually perform at the Super Bowl. She flew in on a wire. Her performance, her outfit was very similar to what the the Simpsons had predicted. Wow. Um, there's an episode in which Homer Simpson is idly doing some maths on a on a on a piece of paper, uh, trying to become a scientist. One of the formulas on the paper turns out to be incredibly close to the formula of the Higgs boson particle. There's a reason for that which is a lot of the writers on The Simpsons, some of them are like Harvard and Princeton graduates and science graduates and physics graduates yeah. that, wrote, that wrote those shows. So actually, if you look at the, at the chalkboard yes. in the school when there are formulas on yes, it, yes, yes. a they're lot of those formulas are, yeah. are actually real formulas. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, formulae. Formulae, thank you. I was about to correct you. Um, there, was, um, there was an episode we saw the London skyline and there was a building that looked an awful lot like the Shard 15 years before the Shard was built. The best one, I think, that, um, that, that I've, I found was um, in a very throwaway comment, they predicted that Donald Trump would one day become the president of America. Um, and this was in, I think the episode was in 2000. So, you know, wow. reasonable time in advance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, on, on the opening of each episode, you get Bart Simpson writing a little message on a blackboard. Yes. When Trump did actually come to power, the writers had Bart Simpson writing on the blackboard, being right sucks. 
Um, so yeah, some of those predictions oh, are, are spookily accurate. Some of them are ambiguous. That's amazing. I mentioned at the beginning that I was going to talk about economic forecasting. Oh yes, I've been looking forward to that. Uh, of course you have. <laughs> I mean, economic forecasting is one of those things that you need to do if you're betting on the stock market and stuff like that, or if you're looking yeah, at sure. GDP. You, do you remember that scene in Trading Places where they're talking about pork bellies? Yes, pork bellies and the orange crop. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Orange, yeah. Uh, frozen orange juice. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Exactly. So, huh. like predicting what the future of prices of things is going yes. to be is quite interesting. Um, that that's on a sort of like a commodity scale. Yeah, but on on a on a larger scale, the the, uh, the GDP of countries is also quite important to mm. know what's going to happen in yeah. terms of inflation, deflation, yeah. recession, etc. And People started taking economic forecasting seriously. Can you guess when they started taking economic forecasting seriously? Oh, somewhere around the invention of the banks. No, much later than that. 1930s. Yeah, yeah, during the Depression. So it became quite important right. to measure and predict what the economy was going to do because nobody wanted to see that stock market crash happen ever again. Yes. Um and so lots of people were kind of inventing um, economic forecasting w ways of, of, of predicting nice. how countries are going to um, improve or whatever. Hmm. One of the guys that did it, and I could talk about this guy for a long time and I'm not going to, <laughs> uh, was a guy called Bill Phillips, okay. who is a New Zealand math teacher. Hmm. Bill Phillips invented a machine called Moniac or Moniac. M-O-N-I-A-C, from like money. And at the time, there was a computer called the ENIAC. Sure, okay. Um, um, okay, you think this is a computer? You are so wrong. <laughs> this thing is basically a collection of transparent tanks and pipes and different colored bits of water. Right. And it's, it, it's a bit like a Heath Robinson machine <laughs> that he put together for, from bits of old Lancaster bombers and things like that. Oh. Um, and the way it works, it, he says it uses fluidic logic, which is basically a way of saying it uses water dyed, dyed different colors. <laughs> um, but it's amazing because you basically put in different factors into this machine. You can see one at the Science Museum. They've actually got a working one. Oh, right. Really? It's wonderful. Oh. The thing about it is it's so accurate that hmm. you put in, you know, if I do this, then what will happen hmm. type of thing. If, if then what? Yes. Um, it's it's accurate to 2%. Oh, crikey. That's not bad, is it? <laughs> and it's made from old bottles and, and plastic tanks and, and bits of water. And and huh. it is ridiculous. And this was invented in the in, 30s? In, in 1949. 49? Yes. Wow. Moniac. M-O-N-I-A-C. Okay. Look it up. It is amazing and fun. And finally, Dachs. Bless you. Dachs is the German for badger. <laughs> Let's pause there. I have, I have zero idea where this is going. I love doing this to you. <laughs> <laughs> so imagine a badger comes out of its set after hibernating over the winter and sees right. if it could see its shadow. Does that yeah. remind you of anything? Right. 
That reminds me very much of another film that I've I've suddenly realised what kind of films I'm showing my son recently. Groundhog Day! Exactly. Yeah, it's uh, Punks are Tawny Phil. Punks are Tawny Phil. But in a, it, so in, in Germany, it was a badger seeing their own shadow. And if really? they saw the shadow, then it meant that it was still going to be cold for a bit longer and yes. that you had to wait. Um, in America, it's a woodchuck or a groundhog. Are those the same thing? I've always wondered. I what believe a they was. are. Right? I may be wrong. I have been known to be wrong. The quite only a thing lot. I the only thing I know about woodchucks is um, <laughs> the tongue twister. How much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Very good. So um, using animals to predict the future mm, is okay. um, is a thing. Wow. And I guess to an extent that makes sense, doesn't it? Because animals are much more automatically tuned in to the weather and the barometric pressure and. All these sorts of things, you know, no one, no one tells a squirrel when is a good time to go and look for nuts. No one tells a bear when is a good idea to go and hibernate. It just, they know. Yes, they just know. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Well, there we go. I think uh, we, we have um, probably come to the, the, the end of our official research. I'm sure there are far more areas that we could have delved into, but didn't. Uh, if anyone listening to this show has anything interesting to add, please let us know in the comments. That's what they're there for. And of course, not just the comments. Uh, there's the liking thing yes. and the subscribing thing. Well, there we go. You've been listening to Factorally with me, Simon Wells. And me, Bruce Fielding. If you've enjoyed it, please come again soon. If you haven't enjoyed it, please come again soon anyway, because we might yes. be better next time. Just stick with it. One day, <laughs> one day there'll be one that you like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye-bye.